So we're here to do episode 505, Dead Freight, on Better Call Saul's podcast on West Coast Project. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Kelly from Better Call Saul Fun Facts. Hey, Kelly. Hi. Hey, Kelly. uh, For 505, Dead Freight on Breaking Bad, did you have any fun facts just right off the bat here? I do, actually. Uh, What's interesting about this episode, Dead Freight, is... George Masters wrote it, and he's also a first-time director, and with having this train heist, this was a pretty big undertaking, Uh, and they were going to originally name this episode Dark Territory, but uh, Under Siege 2 had already taken the name, so uh, they ended up making it Dead Freight. Okay, that's cool to know. Yeah, this is a jam-packed episode. So, Kelly, let's talk a little bit about Saul and about Breaking Bad here. We've been we've been cutting fast and loose through this Breaking Bad recap series that we're doing. And, of course, here we're up to 505, so we're almost near the end. But we haven't had a spoiler section. We've been just saying anything and everything that we remember about Breaking Bad. Um, the last episode of Breaking Bad was Felina. It aired in September of 2013, so it's been a year and a half ago. So I think we're pretty safe in those uh, spoilers. Um, but on Better Call Saul, we'll probably have a separate section, a whole defined separate part of the podcast where we talk about theories and spoilers so people won't have to worry about that. But if you're listening to Dead Freight, you're going to hear all kinds of stuff that are probably spoilers if you haven't watched it. So... I just wanted to make that distinction that we'll be a lot more careful on Better Call Saul. Yeah. Uh, okay, so where are we? Um, I had another thought about this is that the there's really was a pulse to Breaking Bad, Kelly. I got, um, I got this feeling again watching Dead Freight, re-watching Dead Freight. They make things look really down, super down, like never going to get better again. And then, then they pulse back up to like everything's bright and happy and everybody's on the plus and on the good side and they're making money relationships are coming back together and then they go down again it's like a pulse you know and i got that feeling here on on dead freight um things are relatively upbeat in this episode right up till the very end but they were pretty upbeat and it was it was kind of that feeling that like man maybe these guys can conquer the world um with with all they've been through and all they have ahead of them maybe they can pull it off did you ever get that feeling that it was kind of an up and down roller coaster and that you know you felt yourself on highs and lows with this? Yes, the show's been definitely up and down and all around and through and you never know what to expect, especially in the opening on this one, like what? Um, but as far as this episode goes, I think there's a lot of tug and pull for power uh, that we'll get into. But yeah, definitely it's a it's a train ride. <laughs> yeah, literally. A tug a, 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 tug and pull for power but also just like a hey i want walt to be able to do this is he gonna make it is this adventure gonna work out for him or not and sometimes it seems like really absolutely not and it's sometimes like wow he's on top of the world he's eliminated like 90 percent of his problems how what could go wrong what could possibly go wrong right. um but i guess we'll see <laughs> so we see drew sharp the kid on the dirt bike and uh he's riding around in the desert pretty cool shots of the desert uh he pulls up, he picks up a spider. Now, first of all, he lets the spider crawl, crawl over his hand. Did you have any problems with, with that, Kelly? Was that creeping you out at all? It was, but I went to see Patty at the Pet Palace in Albuquerque. That's the, that's the tarantula and the handler, Chris Lynn. And they're actually pretty sweet. But, yeah, at first, I, those things used to creep me out. Did you meet the actor who played Drew Sharp? Was he at any of those events? No, he wasn't. 
He's pretty young. He looked like he was, what, 12 or 13, 14, maybe? Yeah. So, but um, this fate, this this whole knitting of fate together is at play in this episode because he hears the freight train in the distance and he seems to ride towards it like it interests him. Um, but also, Kelly, what did you think about the spider and the, going in the jar and Drew kind of keeping the spider in the jar? Did you connect any of that to Todd, like Todd with Jesse? Because Todd and Jesse are starting to come together here. Uh, no, honestly, I was just very confused on who this kid was and, and what this opening was. Uh, so I didn't put anything together with that. But that's a good catch. Yeah, because that's why I wanted to talk about the spoilers a little bit that, you know, we essentially later in the series, we see Todd keeping Jesse in his own little jar for his own enjoyment. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I saw kind of a parallel there with Drew and the spider and Todd and Jesse. No, Absolutely. And then, then we hit the credits, so that was the first little scene is Drew on his dirt bike picking up the spider and then hearing the train. Um, next, Hank is moving up, Kelly. He's got a new office. I didn't notice so much of this transition on my first watch. Hank's got new clothes, new office. He's moving in literally to the new office. I, didn't, I don't even think I caught that the first time. I just always thought, oh, that's Hank's office. That's the one he's always had. But he's moving in to a new place. Yep, he's got the literally the corner office, and then he's got a new attitude, and, and things are looking really great for him. He's finally got his comeuppance. Now, we, we haven't had any previous warning that Walt needed to put a bug in this office yet, have we? No. Okay. I'm just trying to remember, because I see him put bugs in this. It seems like he put put a bug in, took it out, and put it back in, maybe, or if I, maybe I'm misremembering that, but... Yeah, it goes through the whole episode, but the, the most the, the part that's crazy in this scene is his cry on cue, um, and you can see how how um, Hank is closing all the curtains and everything, like really uncomfortable to have Walt. You know, we've never seen Walt at the at the cops' office, have we? Has he been to the headquarters at here? the DEA like that? Uh, huh. you know, I don't know. We've seen his picture on the jar, but you maybe you're right. I don't think he has been there. Yeah, it was kind of like Gus hiding in plain sight to have him walking in. Uh, but, you know, that was interesting how he has to use a, the ruse that he, Skyler doesn't love him anymore. Yeah, he's pushing all Hank's buttons. He knows exactly what to do to make him uncomfortable and, and move <laughs> out of the office for a minute. Yes. It's also very cool how he uses he uses the name Peter or somebody as Skyler's therapist. Mm-hmm. And he can't remember the name because he's... he's isolating himself from Hank being able to track any of this down, right? Peter without a last name is impossible to track down. If he came up with a fake last name, Hank could have checked it out. Right. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, then we see, a, we see the boys at a meeting with, uh, with Lydia in, in a South Texas business called South Texas Metal Fabricating. It's a Houston business. So they're, they're with Lydia in Houston. And... Um, they got they have they have Lydia in the basement of this godforsaken building, and Mike lays down the law for um, Lydia to make this phone call. She's going to call Hank and and ask about this uh, GPS tracker, the situation with that. Um, that was the GPS tracker that faked me out last last episode. I I didn't remember all this exactly. Um, right, it's just interesting because you know Mike wants to just shoot her in her head and be done with her, but um, Jesse and and Walt are giving her a chance to prove herself here. Yeah, they um, they hang up after 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 Lydia makes her call. 
Uh, they hang up and they do confirm they listen in because they have the bug now in Hank's office. And it does confirm that Lydia was, in fact, helping them, protecting them. They were going to take all these other barrels from the warehouse, Kelly, and they would have been caught like within five blocks of driving away probably, right? Yep, Lydia saved their ass for sure, and she's such a great actress. I really like her nervous. She makes me nervous because she's so nervous. Yeah, for sure. She's a great actress. Mm-hmm. She portrays exactly what I think Gilligan probably wanted out of her in this in this role. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so Houston's DEA put the GPS tracker on that barrel clumsily to try to track it and. They did a shit-ass job, and you know it was easy to spot, and that's why Lydia found it. That's the answer. Um, but Lydia has another avenue to another ocean of methylamine on freight trains, tra- freight train cars that come through every Wednesday, Kelly. Um, 24,000 gallons go from Long Beach to somewhere in Texas and Oklahoma to make pesticide in pesticide companies. Yeah, I like how Mike is trying to kind of put down her plan, but she's like, no, it's a dark territory. It's, you know, there's no cell phones, there's no contact whatsoever, you know, because she, and then she tries to bargain more money, which I find that to be very Lydia-esque. <laughs> I think it's good. It's smart negotiating, too. It's like, yeah. not only are you going to fucking let me live, you bastard, but I'm getting a, some profit out of this. I think it was good to take that offensive. That made her look strong again. Yeah, I, I, I love that she's a, a businesswoman and always is kind of ahead of the game. I love Gilligan. In this whole episode, I love Vince Gilligan, man, because you're right. He talks about this three-mile stretch, or Lydia does, because they have all the right questions. Like, wait a minute, you can't stop a freight train in route. All the Homeland Security warnings will go off. All the train police or whatever they're called will come get you. You can't, you can't do it. So she knows about this three-mile stretch in McKinley County, New Mexico, I guess. Which is what she calls, like you said, a dark territory. No automated supervision, no alarms. You can't even use cell phones in this area. Right, yeah. And it's interesting because it's, um, it's the Santa Fe Railroad, and it goes between Santa Fe and Lamy. And it's, it's, it was real where they filmed it was the real dark territory there, so it was very challenging to even film it. Hmm, I wonder if there really is a dark territory. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's um, it actually it was where the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid was filmed. Um, but yeah, where they were filming was the real dark territory, and that was uh, very exciting for some of the um, people on staff. Well, yeah, I'm sure the train goes through there, and they were there where the train really goes. But is it really a dark territory? Is it really out of reach of all you know, those alarms and cell phone and? Yes. Okay. Uh, and so Lydia can do this and give them six hours of lead time. She gets the manifest on her computer, and she can find out when each train is going to be there and what car on the train the, the methylamine is going to be on. And like she said, she expects to get paid. That was awesome. I like Lydia, man. I really do. I do. I like, too, that um, Walt and her kind of have a bond for a second there because they both have the same goal with the nine prisoners. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna see some. We're gonna see some stuff about Mike here. Um, we'll get to it in the podcast. But Mike, Mike is wrong about a few things. He is starting to falter a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he says there's two kinds of heist: ones you get away with, and ones with witnesses. So he thinks there's absolutely no way of doing this without killing anybody who's in, involved with it. But um, we're gonna see. We're gonna see what they do. 
So Walt has a little side talk with Lydia, kind of private talk with Lydia, and she does admit that she put a hit on Mike. Um, but this was a key part too, Kelly, because she tells this story to Walt about these guys, these nine guys, and she implies that they may know shit about Walt that he's, he doesn't want them knowing. So she does win Walt over with this little story about Mike and the hit. Yeah, also, I think he respects her, too, for wanting to take those guys out because that's been his same goal. And that's been a major uh, conflict with Mike and Walt. So the fact that she wants to do the same thing and she's extremely smart, you know, she's kind of a female Eisenberg. Yeah, this could actually be the seed of the two minute hit job that that Walt calls for Uncle Jack to pull on all these guys. Mm -hmm. It's a really important scene, I think. It seems like, oh, well, she's just telling Walt why she put the hit on Mike. But again, it's Gilligan really planting a pretty important seed for future parts of the story. Mm -hmm, Right. It's genius. So so now, Kelly, this comes up again. This is where I heard it, and I think we talked about it in one of our earlier podcasts. Lydia says, I won't let my daughter grow up in some group home. Do you know what those places are like? She is terrified of her daughter not knowing where her mother is and being alone in the world without her, without Lydia. There must be something that these writers, that Lydia has had experienced maybe in her life as a kid, or that these writers are terrified about, because it really is kind of a terrifying concept, right? The kid... And then we see it with Drew later. The kid disappears with no... Well, that's the opposite of it. The kid disappears. The parents don't know where they are. But for the parents to disappear without the kids knowing whatever happened to them, it, I think that affected somebody, either on the writing staff or they wanted it to look like it affected Lydia. Because this is the second time this has come up. Right. That's true. And when I watched it, I took it more like she kind of was taking a snooty attitude. Like, do you have any idea what those places are like? I'm not letting my daughter grow up like that. But uh, it could have a deeper meaning. Um, But I guess they never really explain anything about her and her background. It seems like a pretty primal fear that she has. Like, she's Mm -hmm. not worried about dying as much as she's worried about her daughter never knowing what happened to her. Right. Or her daughter feeling like she just left her without caring and not letting her know whatever happened to her. But anyway, I think this talk with Walt dooms those nine guys eventually. I do too. <laughs> so next we see Hank with Holly. Hank's describing his job to Holly. <laughs> He's the boss man. He's kind of talking to her, singing to her. It's a pretty cool little scene with Holly. Um, Holly's crying for mama. She's learning her mama words. This must have really been that little baby's uh, time in her life where she was learning her first words. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they had her mom standing off the set. Uh, but I like this because it's cheery. It's airy. Um, he's in a great mood. She's in a great mood. Except for we see that Walt Jr. is not in such a great mood. Yeah, Flynn. God, I hate him calling himself Flynn. Me too. <laughs> and I hate other people calling him Flynn. His freaking name is Walt. Walter. Um, but yeah, he's pretty sullen. He's he's irrepa- he's he's in- what do they say? He's um, irreconcilable. He, nobody can make him feel better. Nobody can say anything that makes him feel better. No, because his parents aren't telling him anything, and they just shipped him off over to Aunt Marie's house. And you know how great she can be sometimes. <laughs> So, yeah, he's pretty pissed off. So next scene, Walt and Mike keep arguing about this money, um, money going to hazard pay. Mike actually wants to go back to hiring Smurfs to get cold pills, 
which is really back ass word. What the hell is he thinking with that? I don't know. My, I'm ne- Mike has never been a favorite of mine. He talks to Walt like he's his child or something. I'm glad that Walt sticks up for himself. I loved Mike, but he's really kind of slipping in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and another really cool thing I thought in the writing is Jesse drops another genius bombshell here. Let's rip off the train it so nobody knows we ripped it off. Right, and I like the way how when Skylar figured out how to uh, get rid of the car washer to make it the water bad, she was doing dishes and looking at the sink. And then here he's got his drink and he's letting the straw with the water come out of it. And then he thinks about how they can rip off the train. Where's Jesse getting these genius bombshells, Kelly? Has this always been in him and he's just been shy or not not confident enough? I just think that uh, he's just always been the one that's kind of the underdog and he's just really coming into his own he saved their asses a few times yeah he stepped up with the magnet in season in the first one of the season now this is a great idea it's it's brilliant like season right. five is his is his um batting you know he's batting a thousand in season five right anyway so they do they don't tell us exactly what that plan is but they next scene we see them walking on the tracks they're measuring distance um, and I think they measure, they say 814, Kelly. I think they mean feet because it's way too long to be 814 yards. Um, 814 feet is almost three football fields. So they measure from the cross of the road crossing the track to the trussle where, the, where they can go underneath the track. Um, about three football fields seemed right, the 814 feet. Um, and they're working with Todd. Um, who's going to start to become a pretty important person in the show for the rest of the show. I was actually surprised that they brought Todd on, I guess, because they needed that other person. But, boy, that's, I mean, that's pretty trustworthy to have him on board. I mean, that's that's a huge undertaking. Yeah, so so they're working with Todd. They're burying the tanks now. They're putting they're putting two tanks in the ground with a, with a backhoe. Big tanks, 1,000-gallon tanks. They're going to fill one with water and one's going to be empty. And uh, Jesse gives Todd the math and the kind of the theory. So here's Jesse's, by talking to Todd, he explains his concept of this brilliant idea. And um, one is to fill the tanker car and one is to, one is to refill the tanker car with water and the other is to accept the methylamine from the tanker car. And they're putting that into a 24,000-gallon tanker, train tanker car. So in the long run, what that'll look like is that the water, that the methylamine was watered down by the original seller of the methylamine back in China. And it'll just look like a watered down batch, like they, they watered it down to make more profit. Right. It's a genius plan. And I, I like the way that Todd says, wow, you guys thought of everything. And then um, Walt gives Jesse credit and Jesse beams like a, like a proud kid to his father. He deserves it. It is a brilliant plan. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know about all the logistics of pulling it off, but in concept, <laughs> on paper, it's great. Yeah. So we see more Flynn. Flynn, in my air quotes here, he's shutting it down with Skylar from his own. He's back at home, but he's shutting her down from his room. And Walt kind of puts his foot down and gets him to open up and talk and just says, look, your mom and I need time alone. And he kind of kind of lays down the law to, to Walter Jr. and makes him understand that he doesn't really have a choice in this. Um, and then later we hear Skylar, later in this conversation, Skylar says, I'm not your wife, I'm your hostage. 
And she puts down, lays down the law with a wall that the kids have to stay away to be safe. There's no other way I'm going to accept it. Yeah, I like the way she says, I'll be any type of uh, partner you want, but the kids cannot be here. Eventually someone's going to come knocking on that door that's going to harm us. Yeah, because Walt is wrong, too. Walt is wrong about them not being in danger. Right. He's overinflated his importance or his, his dangerousness and, and, the, and the ability to keep danger away from them. He's wrong. There's danger all around them, and it can come, come to them and land on them any minute. Yeah, just because Gus is dead doesn't mean they're in the clear. And then, uh, of course, when she says, where are you going out bearing bodies? And he says, no, robbing a train. And you see the look on her face like she almost believes it. <laughs> yeah, why not? You've done anything yeah. else, everything else. Why not? <laughs> so let's go through this train heist, Kelly. Lydia gets the computer manifest. She makes a call out to the boys on the track. Uh, and we see Kubi, our buddy Bill Burr, Kubi, is in the truck. Looking fantastic. Yeah, I don't know where he gets his shirts. My <laughs> lord. <laughs> and his lines as a trucker. He's just he's perfect, man. But he truck of course stops right on the track on the tracks, blocking the track. And the train stops right where they planned it to. And this puts the meth car right where they needed it to be, near the tanks that they've got buried in the ground. Um and they're gonna pull this drain and refill. Um, now, Kelly, one thing I would have done differently if I had been part of this heist, <laughs> I would have had my shit all kind of re, pre, pre-ready. Like that, I would have had the hoses ready and out um, because they start from scratch. When the train stops, they run and unroll all the hoses and everything. And I guess they had to because the train would have passed over that point and they might have seen them already. But what did you think about that? Um, I didn't notice that myself. I, it was just such an exciting scene, uh, and I figured whatever they had uh, was necessary because obviously Walt's pretty smart and Jesse's pretty smart, um, so I didn't think about it that much. Um, but when you know how you talk, we talk about Vince Gilligan as such a um, stickler for accuracy. Um, and one thing that he was a little upset about with himself is that when they're standing up on the hill, letting all that drag down, uh, that there's no way that that would have been enough. Um, get my note. He said the gravity, the forcing the methylene down the hill would be pouring out a lot quicker than that pump would allow it to, uh, go through. Well, so they were, they were gravity, gravity was letting the methylene flow down into the empty tank and the pump was pumping water up into the top of the tank. And I timed it. I looked. At, I watched the pump that Walt was watching. He, he actually wasn't watching the pump. He was watching the meter. Mm-hmm. They had a meter on the hose that was the download from the methylene flowing downhill. And it was flowing at about 10 gallons a second. So they had, they had 1,000 gallons in the tank. So they needed to go for like a minute and a half, like a minute and 30 or a minute and 40 seconds. But so that truck stays there and it's unstarted and unpushed. <laughs> um, but then a good Samaritan shows up and that speeds things up faster than they expected. Um, yeah. Kubi really had to play, a, you know, just a really deer in the headlights kind of dumb dude that didn't know how to fix this car. Uh, because once they started to push that off the train tracks, I was like, what the hell are they going to do now? 
Yeah, I just drive it. I don't know how to fix it. You know how to fix it, buddy? Yeah. And then, it, then he doesn't want the pickup guy to scratch up his truck, and he kind of gets caught by the train guys. Like, come on, this is our way off out of this. Is our solution? Right. But Walt, so they do get the truck off the track, and they first they try to push it, which is ridiculous. You're not going to push a dump truck full of dirt, three guys. <laughs> no way. Not even close. But um, they do get it pushed by the other truck. Um, off the tracks and Walt lets it go right to the last second. They have Mike on the cell phone kind of monitoring things and telling them, get it, get it, shut it down, get it out of, get out of there. It's going to, the train's going to roll. Um, but they have to, they have to close everything up and reseal it with those tags. That was pretty tense watching that. But yeah, um, the whole thing was intense. Like, oh my God, just go, go, go. <laughs> and then they don't really quite make it because Jesse has to sit there while the train rolls over him. He has no chance to get out. Um, so there was the tenseness of how, is it going to clear him <laughs> laying on the tracks? Pretty cool stuff, though. It was in, very interesting to watch. Yeah, it was cool visual effects they did with, with Jesse having that train go over him like that. They had to do the one part where they show the train moving and the one part of him under the tracks. But it sure looks real. Yeah, so all this was super fun and super exciting to watch. And then Drew Sharp shows up and he's just kind of sitting there on his bike watching them. And Todd notices him, pulls out his gun and shoots him. So all the fun ends and the reality of this show just reveals itself again, Kelly, that this show is not fucking around. They're descending. It's it's a downward spiral. Yeah, there's a lot of kids, too. You know, you've got the Andrea's brother, and then you've got Brock, and then you have this kid, and, you know, a lot of kids uh, in this show. Yeah. The harm comes to them. But it's terrible to shoot the kid, but in a way, Todd did have a point, kind of like with Walt and Jane, that, um, you know, I mean, he could have gone home and said he saw a bunch of people and ID'd them. So as terrible as it was and as shocking as it was, um, I do think that Todd was just trying to protect the group. He's a psychopath, but he's a professional criminal, and he he mm-hmm. did act like a professional. you got to give him that, I guess. Right. Um, so speaking of their skills as criminals, Kelly, they really have become professional criminals. The, we're going to learn pretty quick that this, if they just robbed a train, they robbed a train from for 10 to $15 million worth of stuff. Forget cooking meth, just taking what they took off the train and reselling it. It's worth a lot of money. It's a, it's a big-time crime. Right, yeah. He started off just wanting to make some money for his family, and now he's, you know, now this is, what is this, a government offense, a federal offense? I don't even know. I guess interstate, probably, yeah, federal, because it goes between states. Yeah. One thing that was really interesting that uh, I wanted to bring up quickly is that if you look at these these boxcars, they came in from Texas and they were all graffitied and they had to actually go in and paint all of those um, cars because the graffiti couldn't get cleared. They would have to go and, and get each graffiti artist, as odd as that seems, to clear their art. So they had to spend thousands of dollars just to clean off the cars. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Trains usually have graffiti all over them, but these are pretty clean. Yeah, and who knows what the code of the graffiti might have meant. Something totally, like, vulgar or something. Right, Much right. less the artwork of it. Yeah, the stuff they go through, you don't even realize. It's amazing. It's, it's pretty cool. 
But that's it for 505 Dead Freight, one of my favorite capers of the whole the whole series, really. Kind of little, you could almost call this a bottle caper. It was a caper within it of the series itself that was interesting just to watch. Forget cooking meth, just watching this caper was fun. Right, I enjoyed it very much. One of my favorite episodes. So, Kelly from Better Call Self Fun Facts, um, how do we reach you? What's your Twitter handle? It is BRBA underscore fun facts. And your websites? Are Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Instagram and Breaking Bad Fun Facts on Facebook. So all of those links and my Twitter is at Scathing Tweets. You can find in our show notes for the Better Call Saul call Better Call Saul podcast on the West Coast Project website. So if you just go to West Coast Project, you can find all of Kelly's links, all of my links, and all of the podcasts that we do. So, Kelly, until next time, 506, buyout. I'll talk to you then. All right. Sounds good.